Did you hear Taco Bell brought back potatoes? Fiesta potatoes? Yeah, excited. I, I mean, I'm sure you guys heard. Those news. are good. I didn't hear. I, didn't hear. Yeah, I only heard about the fries. I went, I went pretty hard at. Uh, oh yeah, those are right. in college. Oh yeah. I let, in slow. They have the number two Taco Bell in the world. That's what everyone would say. They call it the Casablanca as, of Taco Bells. Yeah, as far as like sales, busyness. We're keeping that in. <laughs> um, somehow. Continuing completed classics. Fulfilling failed franchises. Reinvigorating reviled rehashes. It's the follow-up showdown with Paul Gitz, Travis McMaster, and Lauren Pacorni. Here's looking at you, uppers and downers, and welcome for the last time to the follow-up showdown to Nerds in Quarantine, where we've continued to give worthy second chapters to stories that don't have them. I'm your host, Paul Getz, and with me are my co-hosts, with whom I have a beautiful friendship, Travis McMaster and Lauren Picorni. Hey, guys. Hey, Paul. Hey, friend. If this is the first time you're joining us, the way it works in this gin joint is we take a movie with no sequel or a sequel that doesn't amount to a hill of beans and each take a shot at coming up with the best continuation. Our guest today is an old friend of the show who who featured Casablanca as the setting for his man from Uncle Pitch way back in season one. Wow. The future uncle to any children I might have. Going to keep that weirdness going. <laughs> David John <laughs> Seltzer. Hey, thanks for having me again. Welcome wow. back. You hey, guys were uncle. Like in our apartment when we recorded that one. I know. Yeah. The grapes. They had the grapes. Yeah. Oh, they were great. And you know what? I never, uh, as far as grapes go, they don't rank high on my fruits list, but those were some of the, that was one of the best. After that, I was like, maybe they should. Paul? The problem with grapes is when they get old, they're like mushy. Sure. Yeah. They don't but that's any long. fruit. <laughs> fruits last <laughs> yeah. longer. Well, grapes, okay. they got like a short lifespan. Yeah. I believe those were gross. Costco grapes, which had always treated us well. From the Costco region of France. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, could, Costco. Can you yes. hit, me, yeah. hit me real quick with your top three fruits? Oh. Strawberries. Nice. I love bananas. Strong. And I could really go to town on bananas. Uh, like uh, all the flavors of runts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> best smoothies. <laughs> yeah, um, I've come around a lot on blueberries. Uh, pineapple probably is number go. three. Nice, dude. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. Solid. That's like yeah. strong yeah. fruit. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening to Fruit Talk, the only <laughs> podcast where we talk about fruit. <laughs> I have nothing the, more to teach you. Also, just in case the listeners are getting worried, I was wondering if you guys are going to call me on this. When I say for the last time, I only mean follow-up showdown to Nerds in Quarantine. For We're breaking quarantine after this. Hell or high yes. water. We're all going out. We're going to go well, to Barnes Noble. Masks <laughs> off. Kissing strangers. <laughs> Regardless of the state of the world, it will have a different title next season. Ah. It'll at least be a three. It, it was very sad sounding. You said for the last time. Mm. Yeah, it was sad to say. But today, the movie we are focusing on, in case you didn't already know, is the 1942 classic, often heralded as one of the very greatest of all Number time, two. 
Casablanca. Yes, number two on the 10-year anniversary AFI Top 100 list, and number three on the original AFI Top 100 list. What's number one? Yeah, uh, Citizen Kane. What, oh. yeah. what got kicked out after 10 years? Uh, well, Godfather, I think they just swapped places. Really? Yeah. Gotta keep I it fresh. left it. <laughs> oh. Number one, really? No, they just they bumped yeah. Spider Verse up to number <laughs> <two>. <laughs> the 2020 edition. Now, 1942. This is by more than 30 years the farthest we've gone back in time for this show mm-hmm. by quite a bit. Um, what was the other? What was the second place? Uh, Rosemary's Baby. Sure. Yeah, um, I'm proud of us. Yes, this is a big step. Big step into the past. Now, before we get into talking about the movie, I do want to do a quick listener's log. You sent something into the listener's log. Now let's check in on the listener's log. So this will be the last one we uh, we hear of the season, and it's a good one. It is the first message we've gotten for sure from someone who is not a friend of ours already this is a legitimate fan and i was very very happy to hear from him their name is tomas hernandez it might be thomas but it's t-o-m-a-s well here is what he had to say he reached out to us on instagram so excited to be oh no that's what i said (laughs) (laughs) your message is way longer Yeah. (laughs) yeah i was really excited huge fan listening to the avatar epi right now this movie needs sequels. I'm sure the Star Wars fans, shortly after the first one, were arguing whether it's a classic or not. Simple, necessary concept art, and sweet. Kudos to McMaster, the hotel is a gem, and Picorni makes an amazing score. Thanks. He spelled Picorni wrong. I'm sorry to throw you under the bus, wow. Tomas, but maybe say well, something before, nice about me yeah. next time. Yeah. Right yeah, before <laughs> Paul goes in and calls him like lived in or haggard or something, I just want to <laughs> thank you, yes, thank Mr. You. Hernandez. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree with you. I used to work with a Tommy Hernandez, but I don't hmm. think this is him because he never brought up podcast to me. Uh, oh. Tommy, if that's you, let us know. <laughs> yeah, and if so... You're already downgraded to friend and not fan, but, (laughs) (laughs) but no, that is very, very, uh, kind of you to say, very excited to hear from you. And, uh, thanks for writing in everybody. Keep writing in even in between seasons. We will respond as you heard from David, it'll be long. (laughs) It'll be a long response. Okay. So let's jump right into a minute with McMaster, shall we? Oh yeah. A minute with McMaster. Are you ready? I completely (laughs) forgot again. Yeah, yeah. That sounds right. Um, Oh, man, this is going to be... This is the minute recap? Yes, minute recap. I'll just say that uh, I got half an hour in and was like, man, I'm missing a lot of what they're saying. And then I started it over with subtitles. Yes, subtitles were pretty key. There's so much I did not realize for the first time. The idea of watching this movie back in 1942 with what I would assume would be worse quality sound systems and trying to understand everything they say was crazy. That was a crazy thing to me. But Now, Travis, you can offer your minute to the guest. <laughs> oh, that's true. The new tradition of offering the minute to the guest. If you want to take a crack at it, you I, have, you have the first I will twice. take anything offered to me. Whoa. Holy wow. cow. 
Wow. Are you ready? Yeah. Oh, okay. shit. Okay. All right, let me think. Uh... <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. It feels a little, I'm not going to lie, it feels a little odd in our finale oh, to not be odd? going to McMaster, but okay. vetoed. It's it's okay. No, you're not. It's not vetoed. It's just, uh, aren't you sad, Travis? Doesn't it make you sad? Oh, <laughs> how about how about uh, we'll do this? We'll do a so that there, if it sucks. So, no, there's some. So there's some McMaster to this minute. Instead of me doing the cleanup, you do the cleanup. Oh, okay. I'll oh, show. Okay. I'll show you how that's done, Paul. Perfect. Oh, um, and Paul will do the cleanup to the cleanup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and. Oh, you almost, okay, yeah, so it's like World War II time, and uh, all these people are leaving to Morocco, which is Casablanca, is like in Morocco, is like, um, it's on the trail to, to get out to America, but these people kind of get stuck there, because they need like these papers to get out, and so there's kind of like this uh, black market, kind of underworld way in which people are getting papers, and one of those guys is uh, Rick, who runs like this big cafe, and he's like, He's just like uh, really sad because he used to date this girl who uh, just like left him hanging at the train when he was like leaving when uh, from Paris when it was like getting bombed during the war or not bombed, but invaded. So anyway, uh, back in Morocco, the girl shows up and he's all mad and is like, what the hell? And like tries to get her back. Turns out she was married to this guy who's like the leader of like shuffling people out. And um, uh, anyway, he helps he helps them get out of uh, Casablanca. Yeah. Well, that was that was the minute. Um, not bad. I, I not bad. Well, no. I mean, I, the fact that you pulled it in with three seconds left, I was like, oh man, he's still got the whole plot to go. And then for you to just say, <laughs> and then he helps them get out, is uh, true. Hmm. So that's not so wrong. I, I guess. Uh, I guess you're doing the cleanup after all. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> Travis. Are you I, right? Honestly, I don't even think we need cleanup. It's, <laughs> well, I think it's pretty clear. That's up to Travis. Uh, no, I think that sounds solid to me. You know. I guess the only thing that I would want to mention is that at the end of the movie, it seems like Rick has made a deal to get himself and Ilsa out while screwing over her husband. But then at the last moment, he does a double switcheroo. I'm telling them. And he lets (laughs) the husband go with Ilsa and he remains behind to, I suppose, join in the resistance, the cause with the French uh, police captain. Yeah, yes. I, I think he shouldn't have done that. That was kind of my complaint. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. Okay, well, let's he get sticks, right into his it. His whole thing is he <laughs> sticks his neck out for no one, but then all of a sudden he sticks his neck out for someone. I mean, yeah, what's that? well, that's his uh, character journey. That's his arc. It's inconsistent writing, Paul. Yeah, no, 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 just, no, no, no. I would have no. <laughs> liked less journey. <laughs> this is <laughs> the, the whole that's reason he's gotten to the point Black that and white he, boring does stick his neck out for no one is because of his broken heart. Yeah. And this is about him getting over that and joining the fight again. Well, none of that was in the text, Paul. Are you implying there's some kind of lower level of text <laughs> supposed to intuit? All right. So if you haven't seen this movie, it is a classic for a reason. I would recommend it. I thought I remember hearing this was going to be your first time seeing it, right, Lauren? Yeah. 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 And okay. Travis. Both yeah. of you. Uh, yeah, I'm one of those, uh, you know, film buffs who uh, doesn't <laughs> like old stuff. You know, when I, when I say film buff, it's like Star Trek, Planet of the Apes. I guess that's it. Well, Rocky. your favorite movie is Citizen Kane, which is number that, one. Okay, so. hang on. Oh. 
Mm. Uh, okay, wait. What I would like to address right now is Lauren Slander. And <laughs> what I, I would like to retool that statement into, I do really like Citizen Kane and mm. think it's a dope movie. Mm. It's not my favorite movie. Your poster mm. ever in the closet? In in watching Casablanca, I realized what is wrong with Citizen Kane is that there's no there's no clock. There's no ticking clock. Ah, it's like nothing. There's no it's suspense. A, it's a full life story. It's Whereas, from like, birth to death. I guess yeah, but yeah. but for Casablanca, it's like you know immediately they're like uh, you know they got to arrest this guy and and the Oslo guys come in tonight and you know yeah. everything's like so on a deadline. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, they got much more exciting because at any at any moment the Nazis could kick in the door. I'm a big fan of this movie because I I watched it when I was going down the list of the top films and I watched Citizen Kane and I was like, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> and so then I was like, well, if number two is like basically the same, you know, it came out like the same time. It was like one year newer, I think. Mm. And I was like, oh, this is great. Mm. It's like it's the best old movie that I know of. To that point of it being the best old movie, this is an old movie that feels like modern entertainment in so many ways that are extraordinarily impressive. The way the music sequences are used, the way characters are introduced. It really, I, so many times I was watching it and thinking like, this is a, this is an episode of an HBO drama. You know what I mean? In terms of the way that this is being rolled out, it, it, the way it plays in 2021 is, um, staggering in comparison to so many we've seen in, in comparison to movies we've done on this show dumb and dumber <laughs> the first dumb and dumber yeah i would, com- <laughs> would you, I would say are you comparing it to well these are your words you said well, casablanca I, is almost <clears throat> as good as dumb and dumber but not quite well i suppose i do feel that way but i, <laughs> <laughs> I guess what i was i guess what i was saying it, i was more talking about things we've done as a negative Dumb and Dumber 2, for example, you know, some modern things are done with filmmaking techniques and decisions in terms of how the story goes that makes so much less sense than what Casablanca does. I, I suppose to a modern audience, a uh, black and white movie is just always going to be a hard sell sometimes. But I, I just think it, to use a word that I've been using too much lately, slaps. It, <laughs> it continues to slap. It was pretty good, yeah. I didn't... Um... Oddly, wasn't sure what to expect, you know, because this is a movie I've always been aware of and had in the back of my mind, but I didn't know much about it, apparently, but it is good. I I knew some about it because I'd ridden the great movie ride so many times. Whoa, there's a ride? Travis Mm. describes a theme park ride. Travis Mm. describes a theme park ride. There was a ride at um, at Disney World called the Great Movie Ride, where you went through different set pieces of classic movies, um, mm. and the, the last one is the last scene of Casablanca at the airplane. Oh, that cool! Awesome. Now, when you, when you say go through, is it like on a screen, or you're you're in a physical oh, space? A track? Oh no, friend! It's 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 uh, you're on like a very long uh, trailer car thing. Train ride. It's a tram ride, ride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but it's the theming of the movie is that you've got a tour guide who's just telling you about classic old Hollywood as you go through different sets like Mary Poppins and the Wizard of Oz and stuff. And then either a cowboy or a gangster to, from one of the movies will come out and like take you hostage and take you through the other movies until you get to the adventure Indiana Jones movie. Um, and then they get greedy for a jewel and they die and they're replaced with your original tour guide again. Oh, nice. And, 
finish out. And there's a great, really amazing montage at the end of it. <laughs> well, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, it that, sounds like I, a I, tram ride at Universal Studios. What a great. bummer okay. that it's gone. Yeah. What they hmm. replace it with? Uh, some like Mickey Mouse cartoon thing that you draw. I haven't seen it. I don't know. I live yeah, here now. Lame. Mm. It's like the Back to the Future rag got replaced with The Simpsons. Yeah, but yeah. The Simpsons is good. Not, uh, not no. Back to I'm the not future. saying it's. I'm not saying Back to the Future should be gone. I'm just saying Simpsons is good. If you had to pick one, Back to the Future. Yeah, of course. All right, that's yeah, my that's but, my whole yeah. point right okay. there. <laughs> that they replace it with an option not as good. Never, never read the Simpsons ride. What? Never. It is um. But you work Just, at Universal Studios. It's an well, odd thing to say about a ride. What I really appreciate about the Simpsons ride is the writing. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's basically just like a really solid little episode of the Simpsons. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't translate necessarily to a good theme park ride. Also, points to the Simpsons ride for being able to watch Simpsons clips while you wait in line. Yeah, oh, I, I have them. Those memorized. But you never That's rode it. the ride all day nope there's like four rides at that park that's so and that's one i would never want to ride that's one of the better ones oh you never wanted to ride yeah i um wow these are we're gonna this is quicksand we're uh (laughs) (laughs) trying to steer us back on yeah okay sorry go ahead travis this is a good movie it's engaging (laughs) i feel like the way they introduce characters is really smart and entertaining you're definitely you're getting minor and supporting figures before you get to your leads. And then it becomes fun to watch those minor supporting figures come back again. These are all like, these are all tried and true ways of telling a story. It's just like for it to have been pulled off in the same dynamic way back then is... Uh... Like you think we invented good movies in 1968? No, 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 no. I'm just saying I'm trying to justify like praising it, but I, but I shouldn't. You're right. I mean, it's like, it's just good as good as good. Yeah. Good as good, guys. I think the problem with like the marketing of it now is that there's so much reliance on like the romance story and like Humphrey Bogart and all that, which I think is probably like the less interesting part of the movie because it's better with all the action and like the funny side characters. So like Hmm. if that was a little more pushed forward, maybe the poster, change the poster, get one of the side guys, get Ferrari on the poster. (laughs) He is on the poster. Is he on the poster? Yeah. I mean, there's multiple posters. Make him bigger. Put Ferrari and Peter Lorre on the poster. I. Also on the poster. They're both on the poster. <laughs> I must be looking at a different poster. Yeah. I can understand what you're saying about the love story because I. it is a very, in my opinion, a very effective love story, but it is just not all there is to the movie. I would call it maybe a third, you know, maybe less. All I will disagree with in terms of what you said, David, is Humphrey Bogart being in any way overblown <laughs> As being what works on about the, this movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> he, I mean, yeah. I also disagree with that because he is by far the lead. He's the lead, but he's not my favorite character. And I also oh. was thinking about this because I was like, he's good, but like if if like Leo played that role, I'd be like, oh man. Okay, I'm gonna disagree with you again. I'm not gonna. Okay, I'm not gonna say that Leo wouldn't. There was one scene where I did not like the acting where he's. You know, he's like really drunk uh, the night that... Uh, yeah, he comes, knocks the bottle over. And he's like slamming his fist. And I was like, fake. The, fake. I, I will share that one note of the fist slam. The fist yeah. slam itself didn't work for me. What did work for me through and through was watching Humphrey Bogart do anything. Like I, I watching him do anything, he, he had so many layers of personality, charisma, 
you know, voice, look, everything. It, it just worked on a level above anybody else in the movie, I thought. With the exception of perhaps Peter Lorre. Unbelievable character actor performance. Everybody else, I'm not going to say anybody oh, else I did see. a bad job, but okay. like you get a lot of like old style acting where it's like, well, they're coming to Casablanca. And da, 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 you know what I mean? Like, it's, <laughs> like oh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> 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 mid-atlantic accent well, paul sure but That's it's very but everybody is kind of performing as if like with theater skills yeah i get what you're saying then you look at humphrey and peter laurie and you're like who is this guy Ooh, wow that's all i'm saying yeah no i wasn't yeah. i wasn't saying i didn't like yeah. him i just i was okay. just saying leo would be better <laughs> <laughs> i was surprised at how little peter laurie was in the film yeah because also not knowing much about it that was one of the things I knew. Why is this the only thing I've heard about this movie if he just got off screen? Yeah. So this started as an unproduced play uh, written by Murray Burnett and Joan Allison named Everybody Comes to Rick's was the original title. I have notes. I guess because <laughs> a lot of it is in like one location. Sure. They received a record-breaking at the time, $20,000 for the rights to the play in order to make it a movie. Uh, Again, never produced as a play. The title change was at least in part due to the success of a similarly titled movie from 1938 called Algiers. Cities are big this year. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Foreign cities. That's the (laughs) ticket. The credited writers for the film, Julius J. and Philip G. Epstein, Twin brothers, big time players back in the day. They also wrote Arsenic and Old Lace. Yeah. With Peter Lorre. Oh, yeah. Uh, as well as The Man Who Came to Dinner. The other credited writer on the film, Howard Koch, who wrote The Fox and Sergeant York. Uh, the only reason I'm mentioning him will come back into play a little bit later. And finally, there is an uncredited writer, Casey Robinson, who specifically rewrote the romance scenes between Humphrey and Ingrid uh, and was offered screen credit, but turned it down because at the time he was only taking credit for scripts he wrote entirely by himself as a rule. I get that. I mean... <laughs> what? <laughs> I could just see going, with, you're like, I don't know how the rest is going to turn out. I don't know if I want my name on it. Well, but I would say... It's a shame for him now because those romance scenes are lauded as uh, sacred. They're some of the best ever. And I would say they work. I mean, the the chemistry between those two is pretty off the charts. Yeah, of course. The the twin brother gentleman who wrote the uh, screenplay, uh, Rural Writers on the Screenplay, they won the Oscar for the script and became the first and only ever Academy Award winning twins. Like, because I know, like, in the 40s, it was a lot easier to get away with stuff and the dollar stretched a little farther. Are we sure this wasn't one clever guy with, like, a fake mustache? And he's like, oh, let me go get my brother in the other room. He handles those scenes. And then he leaves the room and you hear some scuffles and he comes back. (laughs) Make the second paycheck out to (laughs) Albie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, we're not sure. There's probably footage. They recorded the Academy Awards back then. There's probably an acceptance speech and all that. Uh, the director of this movie, Michael Curtis, or Curtis, I'm not sure how to say it. He's Hungarian. Uh, he also directed The Adventures of Robin Hood with Errol Flynn and a, The Comancheros with John Wayne. The first choice for director on this movie was William Wyler. Uh, I don't know what happened there. Howard Hawks <laughs> was then assigned the movie. So it was going to be a Howard Hawks movie. But according to an interview he did, Michael Curtis was supposed to direct Sergeant York. 
and the directors had lunch together and swapped movies because <laughs> Howard Hawks didn't know what to do with the music scenes in Casablanca. He didn't feel confident in doing musical stuff. So he took Sergeant York and gave Casablanca to the other guy. I'll, I'll bet when he watched the music scenes in Casablanca in theaters, he went, oh, I would have done that. Honestly, in general, the music stuff for me stuck out as particularly impressive because I felt like, especially back then, musical number scenes were more of a like, okay, everything stops and we go over here to music. Whereas this really was able to effectively work within the plot, uh, within the scene, and feel like just great music. There was one problem, which was uh, there's a scene where, what's the girl, Isla? Is that her name? Anyway, Ilsa? Yeah, Ilsa. She, Ilsa. she like calls over Sam and uh-huh. he like rolls a piano over mm-hmm. and yeah. starts playing while they're talking. And uh-huh. like the piano is so quiet because oh. it's like he's playing the real piano and it's for the whole bar. Mm-hmm. And they're like sitting a foot apart talking and you can just only hear them. And the piano is like super quiet. And I was like, that's, that that's fair. Work. <laughs> you just cut the scene. I didn't realize until a couple of years ago i went on the warner brothers tour and i didn't realize it but um the warner brothers theme is right you know yeah yeah i wanted to look up hungarian accent but i didn't because the story oh, goes it's like a bela lugosi accent just do bela blah like sure. nailed it okay 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 great Got it. His accent often caused confusion on set. He asked a prop man for a poodle. The prop man searched high and low for a poodle while the entire crew waited. He found one, presented it to the director, who screamed, A poodle! A poodle of water! (laughs) Well, that feels like the prop man's fault for having no follow-ups about that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's that's true. You could at least have, be like, Black poodle, white poodle, uh, French, standard. Say no more, fam. I got this. Yeah. Um, Okay, so actor's notes. This was always meant for Humphrey. No one else was considered. Not Leo. Yeah, (laughs) one guy would be better. (laughs) It's a perfect character for him, too. I'm telling you. This is fascinating. You're thinking this. (laughs) Why? Well, there's a lot of leading men. He's good. Okay. But but it's the perfect role for Leo. It's just the type of character he does. Do you guys want to interject <laughs> your thoughts on this? No, no I agree. I'm really enjoying watching you try to kick the football <laughs> while he takes it away from you. Uh, okay, so Ilsa was uh, originally offered to Hedy Lamar, who didn't want to sign on because the script wasn't finished and she just thought that was unprofessional. Ingrid Bergman was in the running from the beginning, but was under contract with David O. Selznick, who eventually was talked into letting her out of it to do this movie. What's crazy to me is this. Apparently, Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Bergman, and Paul Heinride, who plays Laszlo, none of them liked this movie while they were making it. Wait, Humphrey hmm. Bogart didn't like it? No, he said, uh, apparently, uh, he's quoted as saying, to Orson Welles... Do the voice. Uh... I'm in the worst picture I've ever been in. <laughs> Not wow. bad. Not bad. He was super wrong. Yeah. Seriously. Wait, so Orson Welles did Citizen Kane, right? He did. So he's saying it's too much like Citizen Kane? Which <laughs> or is not exactly enough. I'd say it's <laughs> no. not like Citizen Kane. I wish I was in your picture. <laughs> that one's going to be stand the test of time. This one, trash. Garbage. <laughs> I think you're getting a little, little cagney. You're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, you can't have, I can't <laughs> wait in it for too long. I wish there was someone to play the other side as Orson. Hmm. 
Be a great conversation. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> uh, no. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we almost had it. Uh, they apparently thought the dialogue was ridiculous. The situation's unbelievable. Paul Hunride, his problem seemed to be that he didn't get along with the actors. He considered Humphrey Bogart a mediocre actor, and Ingrid Ber- <laughs> Bergman Leo, considered yeah. him a prima donna. Okay, this Leo thing <laughs> this is going to define the episode. But uh, it's—I mean—it's just crazy to me. Uh, I, I just don't see anybody phoning it in in this movie. What works about it are the performances, you know, and the music and everything else. But it's like, you know, the reason it it still works so well is because of how well those elements work. I mean, there are some people in there that I'm just like, if the whole movie were playing like this, like, like those those, uh, vacationers who are like, that's exactly who I was going to say the woman, Joy Hill, who was Jack Warner's granddaughter. Fun fact. Uh, oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, the woman who, it all, right? who he, still, he helps. He still crushed the audition, huh? <laughs> yeah. Mm, I'm not saying she ruined the movie for me, but it, I, she was, when I was watching her perform, it was like the first time in the movie I was watching a scene and going, you know, if the whole movie was like this. Ugh. It almost I, seemed like I, that I, was meant to be a joke. Like it was bad acting to be like a jokey part. You know, like, <laughs> I don't think it doesn't really come up too much. I think it maybe was just for like, you know, and this is where the audience laughs. Wait a minute. Are and we talking about the same have... where she gets where the guy gets pickpocketed, where he's like, oh, you got to look out. There's a lot of characters around here. And then he and then he calls the waiter over and oh, he's like, no, we're not. It's gone. We're not talking about the same part. I'm talking about I think it's the same characters. Uh, well, yeah, but the woman that uh, he gets helps get out of the country. Oh, that comes and tells different. the whole oh, no, sob no, no, story. Very different character. She's great. I thought she did well. Oh, okay. I didn't have much opinion yeah, on her I, I'm not, acting. I, I'm not going to call her, you know, full on bad. I'm just going to say, like, if everybody, if it, if we weren't working at a Bogart level and we were working at a Joy Hill level, the whole movie falls flat. That's yeah, what I'm that saying. That was a pretty minor part. She had speeches, is all I'm saying. Yeah. Like, you could compare because it was like her speeches versus Ingrid's speeches. Just say you hate her, Paul. I... Say you hate her and she ruined the movie. <laughs> I've said enough. People. I've <laughs> qualified my opinion very, very specifically. Okay. Dooley Wilson, Sam, Hala, this guy. What? He brought so much. Oh. Hala? Hala. 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 <laughs> oh, oh, I understand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think. Paul's got a whole new uh, set of uh, words he throws yeah, out as opposed to last time yeah. I was on the show. I've got slang of the day toilet paper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that was that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Pretty fresh. But he was actually a drummer and was faking all the piano playing. He did do the singing, but... I did wonder if that was how real his all that was, his yeah. performance. But I worked for me. Yeah, that no, seemed good to me. Yeah, He's no Joy Hill. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then the last thing is th- this movie was being filmed during World War II. So a lot of the actors in it were refugees, Jewish refugees uh, who had escaped Nazi Germany. So that scene in which the French song is played loudly over the yeah. German song hit really emotionally for a lot of the people on set. Wow. That was a great scene. Yeah. And I mean, it's so rare. In my I don't know if I can think of another movie that was like, filmed about a war during a war i mean probably a lot back then 
probably there were a lot of them yeah. back then. Probably almost any movie made back then was probably going to be filmed during the war. Yeah, they just all had a uh, Joy Hill acting in them. <laughs> yeah, Joy Hill level. <laughs> yeah, they only they only got to the Joy Hill level, but specifically Conrad Veidt, who played the main mean German in this movie, Major oh, Str- Strausser. He, uh, he is well known for his hatred of the Nazis. His wife was Jewish. Uh, he had to escape the country because the SS had a, a death warrant out for him. So the first scene that was filmed was the flashback scenes in Paris. That was the first Those sequence that was filmed. Those do stand out as being very different. I agree. I think that they work in, in that way. Yeah. I yeah. think that he seems different. But supposedly it was tough for Humphrey who said, uh, <clears throat> gotta get my Humphrey back. God, this is hard. Uh, here's looking at you, kid. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm not up on this love stuff and don't know just what to do. And Ingrid Bergman, because the script wasn't yet finished, she didn't know if her character loved Rick or loved Laszlo. Hmm. And the director, who also didn't know yet, said, play in between. Why would... Why can't she for love that? Love? But doesn't it... Yeah, doesn't it work better if she just loves Rick? I guess she wanted it to inform her performance somehow because... She didn't know if later on it would be revealed that she was playing both sides or trying to, hmm. you know what I mean? Like, it's possible her character could I now. I saying, I think yeah. you just handle that with the writing and let the, like. Well, I personally agree with the decisions that the number two best movie ever <laughs> made. <laughs> I thought she did a great job walking that line. My next one, and I felt like this was obvious. This seemed obvious to me. Humphrey Bogart is significantly shorter than Ingrid Bergman. So... Uh, and- he had to wear platform shoes, uh, stand on boxes, sit on pillows, Aww. Um, and she had to slouch down. And I felt like I noticed that a few times. Hmm, Nobody else? No, I don't think I noticed, but I don't think of Humphrey Bogart as a tall man at all. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, in comparison to the other male characters, well, not you could really see a notable difference. Hmm? Ugardi? Well, okay, <laughs> sure. <Yeah. laughs> He's 5'3". I looked it up. Wow. Hanging on Peter Lorre for a, mi- a minute the balance that is walked with Rick as a character in general is pretty wonderful because I feel like even though in the end it's shown that Rick is just the best, makes all the right moves, all the right choices, and doesn't even really need to feel heartbroken because she loved him the whole time. Like, I mean, he wins in all categories, but (laughs) I appreciate that the sort of almost main drama of the piece is whether or not he will make, the right decision because it's sort of like he's in a position to do something petty out of heartbreak. And I know I said this was about Peter Laurie coming to that. I feel like his friendship, the strange sort of bedfellows they appear to be adds another layer of like complexity to that character where it's like, he's, he's something else in addition to being, you know, everyone's number one guy who does everything right and is always cool. Well, you're, you're, I think you're kind of referencing when a guard is like, uh, what is he? he's are like saying like, are you impressed? Yeah. 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 And then when he's, when he finds out those two guys got killed, he's like, Oh, I guess I am impressed with you. I, I, I really love that dynamic because it shows you there is something deeper between those guys. Yeah. And he, he takes the papers, right? He trusts him to the point to give him the papers. And he's like, it's not like how most people treat a Peter Lurie character, which is like, Hey, get out of here. Shut up. You know, I've never seen him in anything else, but I like him. I've seen a lot of Looney Tunes, and they are very much like that to him in the Looney Tunes. <laughs> Wait. Oh, yeah, he shows up and they animate him a lot 
in Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. And Bogey. He's like, oh, looks like that guy. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. There was like yeah. huge eyes. Because that's just a shorthand for yeah. like creepy horror guys. Basically, well, it's now almost become synonymous with like Igor. He must be in something else that's like that because that's not the vibe I got from this movie. I mean, he's like that in Arsenic and Old Lace. For sure. He's like a sidekick. I played him in high school. That's awesome. Uh, doc- nice. Dr. Einstein. Dr. Herman Einstein. <clears throat> Dr. Einstein? Yeah, that's the character's like name. Albert Einstein. Dr. Herman Einstein, I've just said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's but keep having fun, guys. I do love how much I learn when I come on here. No. Oh. Good. Okay, so I've started a new type of segment called Cars with Parts. Or no, <laughs> Car Cars with Credits. Buckle up, buckle in for your favorite new segment. This one right here is called Cars with Credits. Dude, Cars with Parts, okay. that's so good. I know it's good. I know it's good. But <laughs> the reason I'm sticking with Cars with Credits oh. is not only because I've already said that, but also <laughs> because... Today, what we have is an offshoot of that called Planes with Parts. Look up in the sky. Are they birds? Are they darts? Actually, those things are planes with parts. The rear half of the movie prop plane that Ilsa and Victor flew out of Casablanca on can be seen as plane wreckage on the Jungle Cruise ride at Walt Disney World. So yeah, the actual one they used. Wait a minute. That's yeah, okay. I mean it's yeah, yeah it's still oh, there. Wait, wait, cool. So yeah. Disney World has the actual plane tail from the movie, but it's not on the great movie ride where that <laughs> recreated. No, because they need a full plane for that part. This is just a tail. That's a good one. And while I thank you, and while I'm on the plane, I might as well throw this fun fact out there. Um, because the film was made during World War II, the production was not allowed to film at an airport after dark for security reasons. So, to give the illusion that the plane was full-sized, they use a cardboard cutout plane and forced perspective, and they use little people to portray the crew preparing the plane for takeoff. Hmm. This same filmmaking technique was used in Alien uh, in the scene where the crew discovers the dead space jockey. And they use children in scaled-down spacesuits as the people in the background. They also yeah. use that technique in Jaws. Mm. When and where? Um, they make they made a smaller cage because like the real sharks that they had filmed of was not like a gigantic great white shark. It was more like a regular size one. So they made a oh. smaller scale cage and put a little person in it to play Hooper's part when he was in the water, and the shark can be seen in the same shot with him. Wow, Hooper. that's bananas that's a go-to dude that's a go-to move yeah that's cool that's really cool i'm really excited by this great great facts planes with parts yeah all right so now let's drown in in something else in a new in a new kind of note i'm going to talk about other sequels that exist to this movie so we start with the planned actual legitimate sequel to casablanca which would have been called brazzaville as renault says to Rick at the end that they can go to Brazzaville because he, there is a French legion there. Like, they, yeah. He says something about like, this is the start of a great friendship. Right. Louis, yeah. Like the very out of character. Start of a beautiful friendship. One of the great movie lines of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I stick my neck out for no one. Everybody. I like lines like that. All right. Not. He changed. He changed by the end. Also, also he made that guy 
be a better man. He's not only able to get everyone where they needs to go. He's able to, unbeknownst to him, because he could be turned in at the end, he's able to finally push that guy to defect along with him. And I think that's cool. I think you're, I think you're right. Yeah, I am right. If, if they yeah. go with that trajectory, it the sequel is just going to be like two just friendly good guys. Okay, with no flaws. Here's what it would have <laughs> been. Know, like, here's what it would have been. What's the movie the story there? for the proposed sequel was developed by Flash Gordon, serial writer and director Frederick Stefani, or Stephanie. Not how you say it. It would have followed Renault and Rick in Brazzaville doing their thing, getting back into the resolution. But what killed the movie, first of all, this is 1942. Sequels are not really a thing. Very, very uncommon. Oh, really? What's the first sequel? Well, we'll get into that next season. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, um, nice. Don't look it up, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Brazzaville was in the works because this they knew they had a hit on their hands. This was such a big effing deal. So this was going to happen, but the treatment that was presented included a twist in which it was revealed that Rick and Renault had been working as agents for the Allies the whole time. And it was decided that such a revelation would have completely changed Rick's story (laughs) in Casablanca. And so they killed the whole project. Well, that seems like an overreaction to just a minor script adjustment, really. Yeah. It's true, but I think that it's yeah. indicative of how the movie world was back then. Like, I mean, it's like sequels weren't happening and a treatment meant everything in the world and couldn't be tweaked, apparently. Like, this is well, just wait, not wait, a thing so that... You can't tweak a treatment, but you can just swap a movie over lunch because you're... <laughs> exactly! <laughs> that, but that's the same thing. That's the same thing. Like, the way it's being dealt with is like, well, we gotta get this picture made. I'm supposed to get started at 3 o'clock. I don't even want to do it! Like, <laughs> Music! Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough, yeah. Yeah. So, it's really fascinating in that way i think probably a good move though i mean don't undermine your whole original movie no i mean and also like bad form on that guy because (laughs) it's like why why did that twist have to be in there what did you think worked about that did you see the first one yeah it's crazy uh okay so then in 1955 56 there was uh, because it only lasted one season there was a casablanca tv series from abc's warner brother presents So it was a prequel to Casablanca set in the years before the events of the original. And in a strained bid for credibility, minor actors from the film were cast in major roles for the series. Dan Seymour, who played a bodyguard in the movie, (laughs) was, 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 was boosted doesn't he have a character name (laughs) like we're supposed to know who he is he played a bodyguard he was boosted up to ferrari for the series oh why didn't they just get the original ferrari um well because they didn't want to do it like this is like because it's like 30 years later or something it's in the 50s so 15 15 years later um and marcel dalio who played the crooked roulette table operator that helps him yeah, like helps the people win. He was cast as Renault. No. Hmm. So it was like, like why, why are they making seems weird. Why yeah. just make new characters? I don't know. I don't know. I mean it, again, I mean this is the fifties now, but old Hollywood. It's like a school play where they're totally like, different. okay, now we're all gonna do new parts yeah. just so everyone can experience <laughs> being the lead. Yeah. That's true. 
Jesus. Okay, there's so much more. Okay, then, <laughs> then, <laughs> then another. Now, now we're jumping all the way to 1983. Another Casablanca TV series. Uh, Starsky and Hutch's David Soul was set to play Rick Blaine, and it was also a prequel. Took place roughly a year before the events of Casablanca. Ray Liotta was in Ooh, it. Scatman that... Crothers was Sam. Ooh. It only lasted five episodes. Wow. But it did win an Emmy for cinematography. Oh. Now we move on to Return to Casablanca sometime in the 1980s. One of the original writers, Howard Koch, this is why I brought him up at all, wrote a treatment for a sequel. The plan was for it to take place 20 years after the events of the original. The movie was to follow the story of Richard, the illegitimate child of Rick and Ilsa. So apparently that night that Ilsa comes and talks to him, the idea is they had sex. Uh, It also seems like you're kind of changing the story. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of casual references to the idea that back then it was commonplace for women to sleep with men as almost like a business transaction between men. Um, Are are you aiming to pick up on that? Oh, like to get the papers with Joy Hill? Yeah. Joy Hill says something about... But that was clear in the movie. And it was yeah. kind of clear that that wasn't happening with the Rick. But he does say to um, Laszlo, like, she she did everything she could to make me believe she loved me. And I let her pretend or whatever. Like, sure. No, I'm not, I'm I'm not saying that you yeah. can't. There's not a way you can imagine that that went down realistically between two former lovers. I just think mm-hmm. I think you're right. That kind of changes the flavor of everything that happened after that. And yeah, I don't know, in some ways makes Rick's deal slightly less noble because you can kind of go like, well, I got mine. Bye. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yes, that's a very good point. (laughs) You're damaged good, (laughs) sweetheart. Yeah, Yeah, get going. All right, I'm good. Yeah. So it was about the illegitimate child that she and Laszlo raised with Rick never knowing about it. At some point, Laszlo and Ilsa tried in vain to locate Rick. Later, Richard learns the truth about the birth, goes looking for Rick himself, ends up in the Middle East where he eventually finds out what happened to his real father. That's the premise of Return to Casablanca. Sounds awful. It's just like someone <laughs> trying to find his dad. Yeah. Yes. Um, now, uh, um, count me out. Koch wanted to have Ingrid Bergman play an older version of Ilsa. I mean, that's a duh. But he then he wrote her out of the story when she died. <laughs> in 1982 and kept trying to sell it all the way until his death in 1995. Hmm. And no one ever ever said yes. Then we move on to an odd one, 1985, a book called Suspects, written by film critic David Thompson, in which he imagines non-canonical biographies for many of cinema's most indelible characters. His whole thing in his sequel was that shortly after the film's ending, Captain Renault took one look at Rick and knew he was homosexual um, and fell in love with Rick. Party. So there we go. Yeah. Finally, we're finally to the end of this. In 1998, (laughs) there's a sequel novel by a man named Michael Walsh. The sequel novel is called As Time Goes By. 98. People aren't even reading books by then. In it, Rick, Louis, and Sam leave Casablanca with documents provided by Louis. They all travel to Lisbon, to London. Uh, America has now entered WW2. They track down Laszlo, who is keen to resume his part in the work of the Czech resistance. 
Ilsa begs him to allow her to assist him, and Rick and Louis also become involved. So everybody's working together. Like, they watch them take off in a plane at the end, and then they immediately go hook up with them. And they all play war together, and then <laughs> they assassinate a high-ranking bad guy. Victor dies in the process and kills Louis because he believes him to be a traitor. Then <laughs> Rick, Ilsa, and Sam go back to Casablanca. Rick and Ilsa get married, and they, they go back open to up the cafe. Again. Why would they go back to yeah. Casablanca after escaping it? Because I liked the first movie. Yeah. <laughs> Setting up the third yeah. movie. <laughs> they were almost happy! Oh! What do you... <sighs> and then in the, in the third movie, I show I'm up. write a book. Yeah. And I'm friends with them at the cafe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Walsh! <laughs> Love that guy. The great writer? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've read all your books. You're a bestseller. Anyway, that's all the sequels that do exist. And so now let me say this. Please. Finally, let's let Paul talk. <laughs> Welcome to Paul Talk. Jesus. All right. All right. Never mind. Should this movie have a sequel? Apparently not. Yes, based on the sequel I wrote. <laughs> yeah. um, Very confident. I think there's room for it, but I don't think it needs one. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Sit on the fence. Then I'll one. just use that as a transition to this question. Sequel or prequel, what are you talking about, Lauren? That, uh, I say that because I think you could easily make a prequel or a sequel and make it pretty compelling, but the movie hmm. itself stands alone so well that you don't mm-hmm. need it. Yeah, I think specifically the ending scene i mean famously one of the great movie endings and terrible line but yeah <laughs> I now we're say, best friends yeah. or whatever they say <laughs> they're holding hands we're best friends now <laughs> skipping away yeah also another line you know the line uh, here's looking at you kid yes i can't stand that line it's just so forced Oof. like it just seems like they're trying to make it a thing you like this movie, right? I, I mean, do like what this movie. is? I really like this movie. Yeah, I would just cut out the cheesy lines that everyone quotes. These are not. I mean, if they weren't quoted by everyone, would you consider them cheesy? I just don't I see what's wrong with them. They're like, great. Every time he says it, I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Why are you saying this? Like yeah. in uh, like all different situations, it's weird. He only says it to her. He only says it to her. I I'm not saying I don't. It's not like I don't in any way understand what you're saying. It it is kind of used as a catch-all for. This is a scene about our relationship, so here's looking at you, kid. <laughs> like, it's, you it's know. mostly, it's like, it's kind of like a cheer, like a thing you would say to cheer someone. Yeah. Yeah, that is. They're, they're like drinking, and he's like, here's yeah. looking at you, kid. I'm like, that's the way it makes the most sense to me. But then when it's also like he's saying goodbye to her. I think it's lovely. Maybe yeah. it's like one of those things, like, yes. have you ever been in a situation where you, maybe you say something and you get a laugh or you, or you say something to your partner and they respond positively and then you say it. And then you run it into the ground. Yeah. You're just like the three. Absolutely. Absolutely. I With your always, partner over and over again. Absolutely. Maybe he said it once and she kind of like tittered and he's like, oh, that's it. That's the move. Yeah, you gotta yeah. you gotta show. This the, didn't work with the other girl. You gotta show the yeah. original where he got the big laugh, and I think that gives it better context. <laughs> I think you do see. It. I think they do show the original, and she didn't get it. It wasn't a laugh. <laughs> yeah, it's just a she, weird. He's like, no, oh, it was a, like I love you moment. so much. Uh, but apparently, Ingrid Bergman, who was still learning English at the time, she liked it so much she started using it, playing poker with people on set. Oh, I bet they loved that. 
Yeah, that yeah. didn't get old fast. Yeah, the idea of it being said more <laughs> yeah. times than it's said in the movie, yeah. I will say. By the end like of the set, she was using it as good morning. See, I feel like it's this thing where they were trying to make it a thing. They were like trying so hard. Like, guys, if we just they keep this up for like They succeeded. Years. They succeeded. It's maybe, I, I think it's probably like number one number on the two. top 100 lines list. Number yeah. two. After Rosebud. What's number one? No, no, no. No, about, no, no, uh, no, this is a different list. No, We're talking about a different Julie. list. There's only one Rosebud, list. that's the There's best line of all time. And Kane's at the top. Not oh, a big line guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's in it for the music. Okay, you know what, David? <laughs> let's just let's just have your pitch. Let's just have no, no, you no, go. I mean, no, no, no. We are we're on to the pitches. All right. I mean, wait. Do you want to go first? Or you want to go last? You want to be the finale? Maybe in the middle. That doesn't sound like confidence. <laughs> that wasn't an option. <laughs> yeah. Very confident in the middle of the pack. I think second is a good spot. I'll go second. Um, okay. I All can right. go first because I I had a lot of trouble, so mine's kind of sparse. Can I tell you a story, Ricky? It starts. Pretty much right after the movie ends, uh, Rick and Louis are walking, you know, where they're walking. And all of a sudden, a bunch of cars of Nazis screech up. And they're like, hey, like, we heard that guy's, like, plea for help before he was killed on the phone. Oh, right. Yeah. And, yeah, um, so, he makes that call. Yeah. Renault? No, no, no. The, um, the, Strausser. Yeah. He, oh, right, Before right, Rick right, kills right. him. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... Nice. Rick and Louie run off into the thankfully and notably very, very foggy runway. So they're able to disappear pretty fast. The Nazis lose track of them. And then the rest of the movie is them, you know, hiding out around Casablanca using Rick's trusted connections, you know, that they're willing to hide him. And it's just basically Rick and Louie, like, having smoky, dimly lit conversations about... Like what they're gonna do, um, how they're gonna get get out, how they're gonna continue to fight the good fight. Um, that's sort of all I have. Maybe they go to the that guy who can get them visas, and maybe they somehow are able to get out either by boat or something. But um, ultimately, I'd like them to escape and you, you know continue to fight the good fight and do good things together. But that's that all sounds pretty dope. Yeah, actually, I would. That's, that's I like that. I yeah. pretty happily watched that movie. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well done. Do you have a title? Um, yes, I had one planned uh way far ahead of time and not just now. Uh it was called <laughs> Escape from Casablanca. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's a good title. Nice. It's it a, a good title, title yeah. yeah. What did you uh yeah, separate question, what did you whisper just then, Travis? Escape from Casablanca. Something... <laughs> 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 all, right, all right, I'll go. David goes. David goes. You know what this is? Something that even you have never seen. I guess, all right, what's what's like the big thing we like about Casablanca that we want to maintain for the sequel? Sounds like different things. <laughs> the location, all right? Casablanca is such a cool world that they created. So I'm like, all right, let's keep that world. Now it's like the 70s, though. We're after the war. So now Casablanca, the way it's used, is that like mobsters go there on like vacation. It's kind of like this like anything goes uh but it's just a bunch of mobsters are there and so there's kind of like two ruling families and one of them is al pacino from godfather and so he's kind of got like the godfather family specifically michael corleone yeah al pacino is michael corleone is one of the families hanging out in casablanca i forgot what your pitch was last time this is coming back to me 
and then <laughs> and then the other the other family is uh is Al Pacino a Scarface. Oh, so you've got Al Pacino playing oh, <laughs> playing two God. different characters. <laughs> one is Scarface, one is the Godfather, and you've got these two like empires and they're all and it's kind of like this one of those things where it's like um almost like an old west saloon where like nobody wants to draw a gun you know it's all mobsters it's like if anyone like does something aggressive it's gonna set off yeah Yeah, bloodbath yeah Mm -hmm. so everyone's like you know they're all playing it cool but there's a bunch of different mobster families there and they're hanging out and they like it's like uh kind of like las vegas like they gamble and do whatever and there's this one guy who's kind of like the uh like a concierge at one of like the casinos and it's like kind of like a Vince Vaughn uh, Vince Vaughn Vince Vaughn is like the concierge and so it's like he's just kind of like the comedic relief and so one of the families like the godfather family is like using Vince Vaughn who's just like you know the friendly guy who works at the casino they're using him to set up the Scarface family Vince Vaughn international yeah. friendly guy <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's like the godfather family is using Vince Vaughn and they're like we need you to go here at a certain wait. time Wait, okay. We have a '70s Al Pacino, an '80s Al Pacino. <laughs> yeah. What age is Vince Vaughn? Like swingers, right? That's what I was picturing. Swingers, but Vince Vaughn. Yeah. yeah. So I feel some rules are being broken. <laughs> you want a budget breakdown? Get. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. know. Paying Al Pacino for two roles is gonna be expensive. But, uh, so. <laughs> Yeah, you got you got like the Godfather family who's like, all right, Al, like uh, Vince Vaughn, we need you to like basically set up the Scarface mobster so we can kill him. But at the same time, the Scarface guy is like, hey, Vince Vaughn, we need you to set up the Godfather one so we can kill. So he's kind of stuck in the middle, mm-hmm. and they're both trying to use him, and uh, so it's kind of like this war between between the two. What's that- it called? Uh, oh, I didn't think of a name, but I guess Casa Blanca Pacino. Casablanca Al Pacino. It's easy to remember. <laughs> <laughs> Title is my favorite part. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so it sounds like you like it. Let's make all the best movies in one movie. No, no, I don't Swingers, like Swingers, Scarface. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Scarface and Godfather, too. Just, yeah. Those would be two at the top of the list. Like, sure. I'm making the list. Well, Godfather is top of the list. Yeah, but Scarface isn't. Put that no, on there right. as well. All right. Yeah. Hmm. You don't like fun, Paul? Not always. Well, in that vein, let's hear your pitch. Yeah. All right. This is we're going to change flavors <laughs> significantly. I, any, I can uh, tell you that right now. Nothing important. But may I speak to him now? America, 1956. Rick now lives in America and owns a cafe, also called Rick's. He is now in his 50s and a long-respected war hero who fought for the French and then eventually the U.S., granting him permission to return with honors because he was cast out of the country before. I also That wasn't really clear to me why he oh, got kicked out of America. I have a fun fact pepper about that. I forgot, I forgot to pepper these. Um, it is never revealed why Rick cannot return to America. The writer said... My brother and I tried very hard to come up with a reason why Rick couldn't return to America, but nothing seemed right. We finally decided not to give a reason at all. I, I kept asking my real brother, and he just sat there like a stack of potatoes I had written a name on. Another another example of that. Uh, we can't come up with anything. Just yeah. 
we start filming tomorrow. Like, Come on. I'm going to wonder why. Yeah. Well, and I'm, to be honest, I think it works fine. You don't need to know. I don't why. think you need to know why. Yeah, you don't need to know why. It's just, yeah. It's unclear. Okay. He's prepared, Rick, he's preparing for retirement, even going so far as to rename the place Sam's, as he intends to hand over all operations to Sam, who's still with him after all these years. He already sold his place to Ferrari. With Sam. He's in America now. Sam's with him. Okay. This is like a separate. This is in 1956. This is a lot has changed. Many years later. Sam is very capable, but worries that the clientele won't accept him as the new owner. Rick assures him that the world is changing and for the better, but the town they're in is not without racism, as showcased by a scene in which Rick ejects some young white men who are hassling Sam. I have a whole speech here. Why did I do this? He says, (laughs) I remember fighting men just like you, men who thought they could do what only God can do, and that's decide who's worthy of life. The master race, they called themselves, but they were proven wrong. And if you can't wise up yourselves, then I'll do my level best to make sure you go out the way they did in disgrace. Anyway. That was really good, Paul. That was good. Thank you. Rick's health is failing. We don't know what he has exactly, but it causes him to have coughing fits and even moments of... (laughs) (laughs) The first strain. Uh, And even moments of forgetfulness and confusion. Hmm. Sam is always there to help him. Ever the hopeless romantic, Rick still holds out hope of seeing Ilsa again. He often dreams of her walking through the door of his joint, just like she'd done before, and pays special attention whenever a lady enters, just in case. One day, Victor Laszlo comes to see him. They catch up, and Victor lets Rick know that Ilsa died, lost at sea sometime following the Great War. They never got around to having children. Though he's devastated by the thought, Rick seems to hold out even more hope of seeing her again. A folly that Sam warns him against getting too caught up in. Sam has his own love story. He's fallen for a white woman who frequents the place and eventually proposes marriage to her. She accepts, but her brother is enraged by the whole relationship. The story climaxes with a lynch mob descending on Sam's in a vicious attack led by the very same brother and some of the young men from the beginning of the film. Rick, Sam, and several of their tough and honorable regulars that were introduced to throughout are able to fight the attack off long enough for the police to arrive and make arrests, but the place is destroyed and Rick is shot in the process. Mm -hmm. As he lies dying in Sam's arms, he looks to the empty doorway of the establishment and says, Look, she came. Just before he dies. At Rick's funeral, Ilsa arrives. Just a little too late. Rick was right all along. She had escaped her relationship with Laszlo and come to find him, but was too late. Later, she helps Sam start to clean up his place, and he shares his feelings of leaving the whole thing behind. With Rick gone, he doesn't think anyone will want him there. And just then, a group of many people, some of whom we've been introduced throughout the movie, arrive to help him start putting the place back together. And uh, it sucks that the novelist called this, but I couldn't think of a better title for the movie than As Time Goes By. That's a good title. That's really good. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, 
Sad though, Paul. Yeah. Your pitches have been your pitches have been sad lately. Did something <laughs> happen in twenty twenty that made you sad? Sad is good, especially yeah, yeah. and and my my thing about sequels is like I what I I think I more than anybody else on this show jump to finality, like how do we take what's already a complete story and make it more complete? See, I'm thinking franchises, baby. I'm thinking. Fun. Yeah, I know, but Casablanca, you can't, you shouldn't. <laughs> even sequelize let alone franchise i don't mind sadness personally it's a good sequel paul it slaps it's very good oh thanks <laughs> uh travis take us home bud i'm gonna take us home with the last pitch of the season and you can tell me now i'm reasonably sober it starts at the end of the war 45 46 around there the president of the united states is holding a gala a celebration of honored war heroes uh, so, of course, we're going to get all of our characters back. We're going to get Rick and Elsa and her husband. Laszlo. Victor Laszlo. Yeah. And, um, you know, French captain. They're all going to be back as, as honored. Uh, yeah, him. Renault. <laughs> <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> uh, as uh, honored war heroes. So the whole movie is going to take place <clears throat> in D.C., in the White House, in this sort of, like, honored gala thing. And we're going to, as the night goes move into more private rooms and conversations. Um, and it's really just going to be kind of an exploration of not just where the characters would be after all of this chaos has died down, but also kind of like where America was as viewed through the lens of these different, these different people like an immigrant, <clears throat> the white man, the woman, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But it's just going to kind of explore like, what does Rick do now that he's a little bit older? He's been fighting for the underdog his whole life. Now he's in a position where he can settle down. What's he going to do looking at the face of a new post-war swell America? You know, same for Ilsa, same for how does their relationship look? I like to think that Ilsa has sort of realized she does love Victor. Um, and like she was just caught up, of course, in the excitement. Of course, she loves Rick, but it was the... Yeah, sure. you know, I hate to use the word like excitement about like something as terrible as World War II, but you know, it's very dramatic and stuff. And she was sort of swept up in all the emotions of it. And now everyone's kind of like settling into their life after the war. And where we're going to end is Rick looking for a way to still fight for the underdog, but without doing this kind of like hangdog, woe is me thing. Because now he's a war hero. He has some clout in America. So he's going to choose to start fighting for the civil rights movement and getting involved with that because of his relationship with Sam. He understands. And I, that was my assumption is why he left America because Lauren was asking me for her pitch. And I didn't I couldn't remember because I didn't say it. And I had just assumed that he just got sick of America's nonsense. Hmm. And that's why he had Sam with him. And that's why he took taking him through Paris and stuff and was always looking out for him just because he was disillusioned because he even has hmm. some biting, bitter line about how, you know, so so you wanted to be in America because you were looking to get away from a country that was da 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 da, -da. Mm. So he can continue to fight for what he wants to fight for without leaving America. And it can still kind of stay true to the character. And it still gets to be a little sad, Paul, because we're all going to kind of end up in a very, like, I don't know, dinner with Andre, Tuesdays with Maury's place, where everyone leaves the the event, you know, kind of basically where they started, but a little bit more at peace with it and with a little bit more of a hopeful direction looking forward. And I want to call it Casablanca 2, colon, White House. Okay. I also I like feel that. like you guys weren't excited enough about the title. I thought that too. The White House? Because Casablanca means yeah, White I, House. Yeah, I know. And okay. Oh, yeah. Wow. 
Okay. I did not put it together. So you're calling it White House, White House. Um, <laughs> I'm calling to call it White House, but in quotes, and then colon. You get it, right? Oh, Sorry. man, I just came up with a Forrest Gump pitch. <laughs> Vince, Va- Vince Vaughn's going to be in it. No, it's just, it's just about Forrest. Like, you know, Forrest comes into his own, and he becomes more comfortable with himself and more assertive, and it's called Forrest Gumption. Oh. <laughs> they kill Forrest Gump, and they call it Deforest Gump. There it is. <laughs> Right. I, I, we can be I, done I, with I, that, though. We can be done. That was good, but we can be done with that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm being mean, but mean but funny. The uh, funny justifies the means. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that was a good pitch, Travis. I'm sorry. I yeah, I know. I like the focus on civil rights, and I almost I had a version of the script that took place in '65 and was about. Uh, it was a, it was a lot of the same stuff, but it was instead of being Sam, it was Sam's son and Rick. People are gonna um, think that's Samsung, like the TV. No, it, his name wasn't Samsung. Is he had a name? Yeah. No, you said <laughs> Samsung. It was the. I'm not gonna say the son of Sam, but it was <laughs> it was Sam's male child, male this heir. Is whole, this is the whole movie. It's just Bogey <laughs> saying these words to people. Uh, like the Leo. president in my movie is going to be played by uh, Richard Burton. Yeah. He bigger than two Pacinos. <laughs> <laughs> I want I want us to have a t-shirt that is Richard, the name Richard Burton greater than two Al Pacinos. Because <laughs> that's a good shirt. All right. So let's uh, get these votes done, and then we'll get into, you know, fun that's not me looking at lists. All right. I can't um, wait to get the fun. I'm a fun guy. I like fun. So I I'm guess let's vote in order of pitch. All right. As per Ujiji, which be oh, Lauren first. Mine was first. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, okay, so you can vote multiple times, just not for yourself, right? You can vote for one that is not your own. Oh, this is very different than last time it's, it is. I was on. Ah, it was a close, close one between Paul's and Travis's. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Travis's though. Elizabeth Taylor's gonna play the first lady. That's nice. Oh wow. Okay. All right. All right. Stacking it. <laughs> no two Alpacinos. All right. I mean, I'm a man of integrity, so I will stick with my vote and vote for Lauren. Wow. Oh, wow. Classy move. Yeah. That's okay. Nice. Uh, so I'm not by her vote. No, I'm I'm next, yeah, Travis. Uh, um, Keep in mind how much you like Al Pacino. <laughs> eh. Eh. <laughs> Overall. Eh. Yeah. Well, I think Dunkach. Not to be obnoxious, but Dunkachino alone is gonna. It's one of my uh, most treasured uh, things in the what world is... in life. Dunkachino. The. It's a bit of his from the end of. Jack and Jill, the Adam Sandler movie. I'll show it to you. It's hilarious. Oof. Uh, that's going to be my plug, uh, my preemptive plug for the end of the episode. Everybody <laughs> Google Dunkachino. Have a good Please. time. Well, my vote also is going to Lauren, um, <gasps> which ends votes that, that affect the winner at this point. Lauren is our winner. Is she? With two votes? Well, oh, because Travis can't vote for himself. Because Travis can't vote for himself. Oh. So it's going to be Lauren... <laughs> Is the cannon fire? Or is it my heart pounding? 
I actually would like to hear Travis's vote. So just you know, I do too. Influence your vote. Um, so I was I'd fully intended on voting for Casa Blachinos just because I was kind of hoping we could get a win there because I really wanted to make. Paul try to figure out how to do that poster. Ooh, that oh, would be yeah. Good. See, these are not the reasons to be voting, people. <laughs> the integrity of I mean, uh, also me, the I best. I lost a vote once because you like launched a toy car off your desk. <laughs> Tiebreakers so, are a totally yeah. separate ballgame. <laughs> I'm really torn. These were there's there's something really good about each of these pitches, and I can't vote for mine. Stick with your gut is what best I would say. <laughs> You know what? I am since since the winner's been determined. I am going to vote for Casa Blachino. Yeah, uh, woohoo! Paul's pitch. <laughs> Paul, you took too I much am, joy uh... in killing Rick. So uh, that was too. That was just a little too no, dour. No, you're wrong. That is incorrect, <laughs> uh, Travis. I'm not saying the winner is incorrect. The winner is correct. Well, uh, <laughs> Travis's opinion there is incorrect, based on the numbers. Lauren was ahead of me by one. My hope was that I could tie the season with a win here tonight, but it didn't happen. And so Lauren wins the season. Actually, the opposite happens. You got last. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I believe I still got last. No, you you got a vote. You got a vote from Paul. Oh, I meant overall. Yes. Oh, overall. Yeah. You got more than some of the guests that only were on the show once. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but not all the guests. <laughs> so congratulations, Lauren, on um, Thank you. winning Nerds in Quarantine. I'll make up a trophy for you in North Carolina. Thank you. And now, before we get off of Casablanca, let's do some unsung heroes. Oh yeah, I got a couple. Hit it, Paul Junior. Unsung hero. Ugarte, he is. Uh, yeah, I would say he's sung. I would but, say he was yeah. my favorite character. It's great. And then uh, second would uh, be Sasha, the bartender. Yes, that is who Ray Liotta played in the '80s uh, series. But here's yeah. here's a real fun fact. I think I think Paul, you're really gonna like this. I know this. You do probably. Okay. Wow. Well, the actor that played Sasha was also in the movie A Man from Uncle. Oh, no, I didn't know Which that. is the other episode of Whoa. this show wow. that I was on. Wow. I Okay, my fun fact about that actor is that he was Humphrey Bogart's drinking buddy, and they had, but they had a different guy cast in that role that they decided wasn't funny enough, and know. so they replaced him with Bogie's buddy. Hmm. The Man from Uncle TV oh, show. I was wondering. The TV no, show. He's in a lot of it. No, but he's not in the movie. He's in uh, A Girl from Uncle, which I oh, he's... out as a thing. And... Sure, sure, sure. Got it. No, he's in he's... multiple. Is he not in a regular A Man from Uncle? He well, is. he is. But... He meant the movie, because that's yeah, what we covered on the show. Yeah, the original. He's in the original one. Yeah, the old show oh, the TV show. Yeah, and yeah, movies. Okay. okay. Yeah. We're agreeing I with you. died by the time that movie was made. That's why we were. That Hence our yeah, we were oh. we were blown away. Yes, oh, we, were, we were all blown away a moment ago. He's 150 years old. I, as of 2016, there was only one surviving crew member from Casablanca still alive, and he was 108 years old, that, yeah. meaning only person that worked on it at all. Yeah, and he was, he was a missing guy crew going, member. I don't like this Humphrey one. Yeah. <laughs> I got to live yeah. 108 years with everybody loving this line. Kill me. Na- take talks, me now, God. He talks like Humphrey. Yeah. The only one I have I wrote down as 
the floppy saluter, there was one Nazi who came into the bar giving salutes. <laughs> yeah. And it was like a real flop job I know, every time. They were so sloppy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Floppy, sloppy Nazi. Yeah, he added something for me. I mean, I understand not everybody salutes the same, but every single one had flop. He was funny. He was probably like he took his friends to the movie and he was like, No, I really I really gave the Nazis what for. Check out how I do it. I do it all stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm a Nazi. <laughs> yeah. Look at me. Well that was a quick final unsung heroes. I'll give you one more. I'll give you one more unsung hero. Yeah, I don't think you get it. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> You're listing name characters with lines Sasha? and Sasha? Is Sasha a name character? You just said his Sasha. name! Well, I looked up his bartender. name. He's the bartender. Yeah, yeah but he has a name. <laughs> okay, this guy I don't think has has a name. Okay. He's the guy at the very beginning who gets shot in the back. Okay. And I, the thing I liked about him was they were like, we need to see your papers. He's like, I don't think I have my papers. Oh, yeah. And then they're like, but then you got to come with us. He's like, oh, actually, I think I have them yeah, right here. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I liked uh, both his running away technique and Peter Lorre's. They both had good techniques for escape. Um, <laughs> well, I would, I would, I might say they have terrible techniques. Well, for they escape. both both got caught, but I don't know that any of one of us could have done better. Is what I'm saying. Uh, I definitely couldn't have. Right. All right. So then, quickly, or not, well, <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to ask on a petty level if. There's one, if any, Travis or Lauren, myself, we've been through so many of these episodes and the winners don't really, you know, matter and it's just all for fun. Um, mm. yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but was, did any, either of you have one that stuck in your craw? A loss? Yes. Yeah, I'll take this one, actually. <laughs> I don't know. I've won so much. My- <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's pretty, pretty on record that I took the uh, my shining sequel pitch loss. Yours was a prequel, yeah. Prequel. Yeah. I took that. I was, I was very excited about that one. It was very well thought out. I got so fussy about that that, and this is going to just dovetail so elegantly into a plug that the third season of The Hotel, which if is not out by the time you're listening to this, will be out very soon. Mm. For the second episode, I essentially just retooled my pitch for that trailer Mm. and for The Shining and put it into the new season because I was so impressed with myself. Nice. Sounds cool. Myself and Tomas, among others, will be looking forward to that. (laughs) Bless you. Um, I I think I might have one though. Yeah. I don't remember who who won the Matrix episode. Mario. No, you, Mario, and Travis collectively oh, won the yeah. Matrix episode because oh. of Man of Matrix two thousand. Oh well, I guess that one sticks in my craw because that's You're, that was you a, won. No, that was a weird way to like you know what? have everyone win. Am I the only one who's happy about that? Because I lose all the time. I was happy. Mario texted me the next day, upset that he didn't get a clean win. You're upset you didn't get yet another well, notch on your belt. My number one now is this one. This is the stick in my craw. All I right. Will, yeah. I'm on the episode. Yeah. yeah. Paul, my decision yeah. was very close because I do like yours a lot. Mm-hmm. But I do, I, I, I guess I mm. both liked and the reason I liked it was the darkness and the reason I didn't vote for it was also the darkness. It's interesting. 
because it was it was very good. I almost cried whenever you talked about uh, whenever Rick is dying and he he thinks he sees Ilsa walk in the door. Yeah, you me too. Know that she also cried <laughs> yesterday during Deep Space Nine. So it was it was you have very good pitches, and they if if I don't yeah. vote for them, it's usually by a hair, which I know might not be a consolation, but it's fine. It's <laughs> technically fine. <laughs> yeah, we're done. Oh, we're done. Um, Cook that goose. Oh wait, plugs. Oh yeah, I gave my Dunkachino plug. You got a plug, Dave? <laughs> I uh, say, um, go go to the follow up showdown and listen to the man from Uncle episode. <laughs> Gonna really like what you hear there. It's also, uh, Kings are Wild web series, which I was still editing at the time, but it is now out on YouTube. Um, well, I got my uh, website lolascustomfunkos dot com. Uh, please give me business. Um, I'd appreciate it. Mm. You should tell them what that business is. Oh, I make custom Funkos, as the URL probably describes. It's in, it's in the name. Wow. You know. Anyway, I can do them all. I'm very <laughs> confident in my abilities. So mm-hmm. if you want a Funko, I can do it for you. It's true. She's super good. Uh, it, for me, you know, it's it's Theater of Tomorrow. It's the hotel. Check out check out the other podcasts. You can go to midnightdisease.com. That's the network we're on. And the short films. God fuck every time. Yeah, yeah. please. Both <laughs> of our short films are out that I uh have written and produced on Mr. Nice Guy came out February 14th. Uh it's rom-com meets murder mystery or not mystery just murder. And then Control Alt Extinct is our science fiction one. You can find those on YouTube. Just search Bent Entertainment. And then um I I wanted to dial back cuz I feel like you and I Travis specifically are often on opposite sides of an issue when it comes to sequels. <clears throat> yeah. Keeps the keeps the marriage alive. Yes. I'm very often on the side of leave the perfect piece of art to be a perfect piece of art and you know don't mess with that. Um your argument always and I agree with this specific example is maybe I'll get a Shrek 2. <laughs> well, I'll take him. <laughs> and something We've talked already about these commercials, Super Bowl commercials being sequels to movies now, which is an interesting phenomenon. But something recently occurred to me because of something that happened. There was uh, the 25th anniversary of Happy Gilmore. Um, Oh, I saw. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And, of course, when we're talking about the number two movie on the AFI list, Casablanca, we have to bring up Happy Happy Gilmore. Gilmore. A true classic in its own right. 25th anniversary, Adam Sandler posted a Insta- Instagram, is it Instagram? Something, sure. TikTok, yeah. one of those, yeah. where he did his classic drive, the hockey slap drive, and specifically called out Shooter McGavin in the process, uh, to which Christopher McDonald replied, as Shooter McGavin, it was a fun little jovial sure. tete-a-tete. I, I would just say my complaint with it. Yeah, I have complaints too, okay. I do. My complaint... Yeah. Because he, he does it as Shooter McGavin yeah. in response. Yeah, yeah. But then he slightly breaks character and is yeah. like, congratulations. 25th anniversary. Whatever. It's like, yeah. just stay hardcore character and be hateable yeah. and it's going to be way funnier. Yeah, I agree. I mean, okay, so my reason for bringing this up is when it started, I was delighted and just like, wow, sequels go beyond commercials. 
they go into social media posts. Those can be sequels now, you know, like mm -hmm. that's, that's where we're at. And that isn't really a sequel because they're half in character, half out. Yeah. But what hit me about it is that what they were doing was beautiful and that they were celebrating an event that brought them and millions of others joy. It was like, it was like someone having a high school reunion. It's commemorating a moment that was special and it's a very, you know, human thing to do about anything. And so it sort of shifted my perspective on the sequel in general a little bit. It just made me realize that it's like, if something is so wonderful that people want to celebrate it and that celebration comes in the form of someone trying a new chapter, whether it works or not, it's a beautiful thing. And sometimes it works in a way that makes it a classic in its own right, and that's incredible. But when it doesn't, we'll be there. <laughs> that's great. On the epilogue. There are also multiple uh, parody alternate endings to this movie. Looney Tunes did one, Saturday Night Live did one, The Best is on The Simpsons. I don't know if anybody counts those as sequels, I just didn't want you to think my resolve was waning. There's plenty more where that came from! Yeah.